Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Story time. I was camping alone in the middle of. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. The Plains in North Dakota. A storm blew in and I was stuck in my tent under some trees and got a super strange feeling. I had two phones on me at the time, one had internet and was for navigating and the other was just for cell reception. All of a sudden, one of the phones started ringing and I looked at the caller ID, the call was coming from my other phone, which was closed and in my hand. I'm a wildlife photographer and I love nothing more than exploring the outdoors, capturing breathtaking shots of nature's wonders. Last Sunday, June 23rd, I decided to take a trip down the Malala River Road to snap some photos of the beautiful scenery. As I was driving down the road, I noticed a foul smell on the breeze. It was a rotten odor, the kind that makes your stomach turn. I tried to brush it off, thinking it was just a dead animal nearby but the stench only grew stronger as I got closer to Pine Creek Bridge. I parked my car at the bridge and stepped out, hoping to find the source of the smell. But there was nothing around, 
no animal carcasses or anything else that would explain the odor. I looked for tracks or signs of something that might have caused the smell, but there was nothing to be found. As I was about to give up my search, I heard a rustling in the bushes nearby. I grabbed my camera, thinking I might have stumbled upon an elusive animal. But what emerged from the bushes was not an animal at all. It was a figure, tall and hunched over. Its skin was gray and mottled, its eyes dark and sunken in. The stench was overwhelming, and I realized that it was emanating from this creature. I stood frozen in terror as the creature approached me, its footsteps heavy and deliberate. It stopped just a few feet away from me, its eyes locked onto mine. For what felt like an eternity, we stood there in silence, staring at each other. I wanted to run, but my feet were rooted to the ground. Finally, the creature let out a low, guttural growl, and I snapped out of my trance. I turned and ran back to my car as fast as I could, the creature's footsteps pounding behind me. I could hear its ragged breathing and the snapping of branches as it pursued me. I fumbled with my keys, trying to unlock the car door. Just as I got inside and slammed the door shut, I caught a glimpse of the creature's face pressed up against the window, its dark eyes staring at me. I drove away as fast as I could, my heart racing and my mind spinning. I didn't know what I had just encountered, but I knew that I never wanted to see it again. I'm Aaron, a cryptid hunter and investigator. One day, someone named Howard sent me a message that he wanted to talk with me. So I obliged. I had spoken with a security guard named Howard H., who worked south of Malala. Howard's job was to keep an eye on timber company equipment and other assets. When I asked Howard about Bigfoot, he was initially hesitant to speak, but eventually opened up about many screams and calls he had heard near his trailer. What surprised me was that Howard claimed to have seen two different types of Bigfoot creatures. One was shorter, with startling blue eyes and reddish hair, while the other was larger and more aggressive, often stalking him. He even believed that the creatures could imitate animal sounds, and recounted a time when a cougar scream turned into a typical Bigfoot scream, whatever that is. Howard also told me about an incident on the Clear Lake Trail near Goat Mountain, where he felt like he was being followed but couldn't see anything. He even left a bite of his bologna sandwich on a log, only to return later and find it replaced by a chunk of tree bark. Howard also mentioned seeing trees twisted over at a height of 9 to 10 feet, and stacks of fir boughs and mushrooms strangely piled up in certain areas. Recently, Howard had noted tracks on the weekend of October 19th to 20th, although the location was not specified. I was planning to interview him in depth and was particularly interested in an old logging road that was now closed due to fallen timber, but would be an interesting trip for the WBS, whatever that was, when there was snow on the ground. I grew up on Long Island in New York State. My older sister, her boyfriend and myself often would walk the trails and the beaches at night. On one particular evening the three of us were on a walk at Camp Hero State Park, it was a full moon so it was very bright out. As we were walking the trail we stopped to relax and look out over the water, my sister's boyfriend sparked up a joint and we all were partaking and relaxing. Whilst we were gazing out onto the open water we spotted a small light in the distance, my sister inquired as to what we thought that was, her boyfriend said it was probably a light on a distant boat I agreed and we didn't think much of it. However as moments passed we noticed the light seemed to be approaching us, getting closer by the minute, as it moved closer it appeared to not be on the water but above the water in the sky. We soon realized it was not a light on a distant boat. We continued to speculate what it was and I came to the conclusion that it must be someone's small personal drone. But as the light came closer and closer the brightness got stronger and stronger. If you know Camp Hero you know that there are cliff edges that hang over the water. There we are standing there on the edge with this orb steadily approaching us. Within the span of 5 minutes the orb was no longer in the distance but hanging right in front of us it was no longer over the water but rather over the sandy beach. We stood there staring at it. 
It had a whitish purple glow to it. Despite being night it was bright out due to the light of the full moon. On this high visibility evening it became evident this was no drone. This light was stand alone no machinery of any kind attached to it. And it just hung there about 10 feet in front of us for about 30 seconds it then just disappeared in such a way that it almost seemed to envelope itself. We all decided to get the hell out of there. And that was that. This was back in 2015ish. I've since visited this particular park many times since and I've never seen anything like it again. Maybe we were all just a bunch of stone teenagers and it was some sort of group delusion. But that night will sick with me forever. The park itself is shrouded in mystery and I can only speculate that the orb was perhaps a remnant of one of the experiments conducted at Camp Hero from back in the day. I've always loved the forest. It's where I feel most at home. That's why I became a park ranger to protect and preserve these lands. But one day, something strange happened. I was walking along the forest trail, keeping an eye on things like I usually do, when I saw a group of men in black suits walking towards me. They had no park ranger uniforms, but they had badges and ID cards that identified them as some kind of government agents. They said they were conducting a routine investigation and asked me to show them around. At first, I didn't think much of it. I figured they were just here to check on the animals or the trees or something like that. But as I watched them work, something about their behavior started to bother me. They were searching for something, something elusive, something unknown. And they weren't telling me what it was. I asked them what they were looking for, and they told me it was just a routine check. but i knew they were lying they were hiding something sinister and i was determined to find out what it was one night i decided to follow them they were searching for something deep in the woods something that made my blood run cold i couldn't see it but i could hear it a low growl almost like an animal but something more something inhuman i confronted them demanding to know what they were doing that's when they turned on me They threatened me with jail time if I didn't back off. They said I was interfering with a government investigation and that I had no right to be here. But I couldn't back down. I couldn't let them find whatever it was they were looking for. So I kept following them, watching them from the shadows. As the days went on, their behavior grew more and more erratic. They stopped sleeping, stopped eating, stopped doing anything but searching for that thing in the woods. And as they got closer, I could feel something dark and sinister looming over us, something that had been sleeping for far too long. Finally, one night, they found it. I don't know what it was, but it was huge, with eyes that glowed like fire in the dark. They tried to catch it, to contain it, but it was too powerful. It broke free from their grasp, and chaos erupted. I ran as fast as I could. But I could hear their screams echoing through the forest, a sound that still haunts me to this day. I don't know what they unleashed, but I know it was something far beyond our understanding, something that should have stayed hidden in the darkness. Now, I'm afraid to go back to the forest. I can't shake the feeling that something is watching me, waiting for me. And I know that those men in black, they were hiding something that should never have been found. Something that will haunt me forever. On 7th of July, my friend Glenn and I were at the campground on the Malala River when we stumbled upon a torn apart gunny sack that had been hung off the ground with potatoes scattered on the ground. We suspected that a local had been baiting Bigfoot in the area. We had been in the same area back in March, but on the north fork of the Malala River, when we heard a scream around 8 to 9 p.m. and encountered a strong smell. Later that night, around 10 p.m., We heard another scream in the distance and a couple of thuds that we couldn't identify. Around 2 a.m., our dogs started going crazy at our camp on a gravel ridge. Could it be more Bigfoot activity? I wasn't sure, so I contacted Steve Williams. Investigator Steve Williams looked into some recent reports from the lower Malala River area and filed a report about the coal incident of on 18th of July. 
He crossed the Pine Creek Bridge and drove about two to three miles to the gate. About two miles later, he encountered a sour smell that almost knocked him over, but saw nothing. He continued two more miles to a three-way intersection before returning to the area of the smell to investigate further. He hiked in the direction of the smell and, about 50 yards from the road, encountered the largest black bear he had ever seen. It was the size of a zoo grizzly and was tearing a stump apart. They stared at each other for a moment, and despite having a camera, Steve backed up several steps and did what he wasn't supposed to do. Ran like hell, he said that if the bear had stood up, it would have been seven feet tall. Steve said the bear shook its head a few times, back and forth like a dog, then turned and went in the opposite direction. Continuing his investigation of a report from me on 7th of July, in this report, Steve traveled about two miles up Copper Creek and found the campsite I had referred to earlier. It was located about an one-eight of the mile in the woods past a rock quarry. He was of the opinion that a camper had hung the potatoes to keep them from critters but had not hung them high enough, and animals had gotten to them anyway. While he was there, he heard noises and met two fellows from the BLM with recording gear and such that were looking for evidence of owls. There had been reports of screeching at night around there, owls or Bigfoot? A few years later I was out hunting with a friend when we lost legal light. So we hiked back to the truck and hit the road and his parents knew Ford half-ton, the ones with the sensors all over the vehicle. We had some music playing as we were just heading back towards town again, when the music started acting weird and cutting in and out with static, so me being in the passenger seat, disconnected the Bluetooth and reconnected the phone. Music cleared up and we continued down the road. We got up to the KM board on the road that my previous encounter took place and I mentioned, oh hey, that's the whistle block that we logged a couple years back. Half jokingly because I couldn't make heads or tails of it. My friend replied, great, thanks for that as I had told him the story before. We continued slowly driving down the road because it gets pretty rough in a couple spots and the road has a few sharp turns and an S-bend. Well we go about a kilometer further and the music starts screeching and doing what we can only describe as alien noises. So I disconnect the Bluetooth again and my friend says, Oh, mom's got a cord in here. So he stops and gets the cord for me, I plug the phone in and play music again. Another kilometer down the road and the phone goes ape, shh, t. I mean loud alien squealing and sounds similar to that shitty dial-up internet noise from the 90s. We had started into the S-Bend when this was happening and we shut the music off completely as we are driving still, making the one half of the S-Turn and then we both look up from the music deck slash screen and the headlight illuminate a figure standing in the middle of the road. So we swerve and take the ditch a bit still going probably 30 kilometers hour, and get the truck back up on the road. We continue coasting down the road as we are both in awe after just seeing a flash of this thing. I finally say after what seemed like five quiet minutes, man did you just see. My friend cuts me off and says, a skeleton in the middle of the road? I say, yeah. Like a white rib cage, and a deer skull for a face? He finishes. I said, turn around, what the f was that? Does someone need our help? Not thinking that we are in the middle of nowhere. With no vehicles around or any that we had passed from other hunters it was early season and no one bow hunts here anyways. My friend said, I'm not turning around, I feel sick. Like I'm going to throw up. And he continued driving. We didn't see another vehicle until we hit pavement again. It was taller than the pickup by easily a couple feet. I'm six feet one and my forehead is at the top of the window for reference. It is black surrounding the white of the bones with long arms half stretched to its sides as if it was saying try and hit me. I watched this thing pass the passenger window and stared up at it as we wailed by it, and it was definitely three-dimensional, tall with long arms and dark. Dead looking. Like light was sucked into it without reflecting anything. Hard to explain. When we hit service again my friend received a text message from his mother saying, what did you two idiots hit in my brand new truck? 
I guess the new Ford send near accident reports to the owner when the sensors pick up something? I'm an old school Chevy guy so I don't know ha. The only thing I can find online that resembles what we both saw is a Windigo without the antlers. Or the headlights didn't illuminate them anyway. I took a trip to stay in a cabin in the middle of the woods high up in the mountains of the city of Ranger, Georgia USA this neighborhood was 30 minutes up in the mountains away from civilization and even the cabins were spread far apart. The front deck of the cabin was completely exposed to the woods, so I acknowledged that any animals could stroll along if they pleased but I stayed there for about a week, and me and my boyfriend sat outside on the front deck every night very late and at no point felt in danger. It was peaceful with fireflies out and sounds of crickets every night until the fifth night, it was eerily dark too, the moon was covered heavily. It was about midnight and all of sudden I didn't feel peace like I did those other nights, the forest went completely quiet and I felt a horrible sense of dread, I genuinely feared for my life. I sat there in my chair looking out into the dark forest trying to rationalize and calm myself down that it was my mind playing tricks, but all of a sudden my boyfriend said out loud that he felt unsafe. That's when I realized it wasn't just me. We then both heard a blood-curdling scream and we pulled out a flashlight to see what it was, turns out it was a grey fox, they make scary screaming sounds, the weird part was that the fox was running and had its ears and tail down like it was scared. This was in June and I read that foxes scream like that when it's mating season or if they're in danger. Their mating season is winter and this happened in June. So I do believe this fox was in danger or afraid as well adding to our fear the cabin has three floors and we were able to climb out the window and sit on the roof because we wanted to still be outside and relax. Didn't matter how high up I was I felt something truly evil and stayed inside. The only other time I felt something so evil or like someone was watching was when I had a few paranormal experiences at a haunted house Georgia doesn't really get mountain lions that often. Maybe a bear butt. It didn't feel that way at all. It felt unnatural. Me, Glenn, and our friends Larry and Katrina were camping near the Malala site two years ago on March 2, 1996, but we were further down Copper Creek Road, about five to six miles away. We set up camp at an old gravel pit with a creek behind it, and it was right next to the road. At around 10 to 11 p.m., we heard a loud scream coming from down in the canyon. It was so loud it made the hairs on the back of our neck stand up. Later that night, we heard another scream, but this one was closer. We were so scared that we all stayed in the truck that night. At around 2 AM, our dog, who was tied to a nearby tree, started to go crazy and tried to get into the truck with us. We then heard two thuds, which sounded really close, like a big limb breaking and hitting the ground. It was so terrifying that we couldn't go back to sleep for the rest of the night. The next night we moved to a new locality at the end of a dead-end road nearby. This time, we saw something even more strange. There were lights hovering over the trees, lighting them up. The lights were just above tree height and made no sounds. We all stood there in awe, trying to figure out what we were seeing. It was like nothing we had ever seen before. We stayed up for the rest of the night, afraid to close our eyes and miss anything. We never did figure out what was causing all of the strange occurrences during that camping trip. It's something that still haunts me to this day. I had a couple of experiences in the 1970s. I was newly moved to what was then a fairly wooded area of Provo, Utah on the northwest side. My mom and I lived on a main artery of town with woods going down to the Provo River. A couple of my girlfriends from high school had spent a Saturday night at my house. That Sunday morning we walked down to the fields and apple orchards in back of our house, which went back several acres. We had just gone between two old outbuildings and were about to open the gate to go into the orchard over the irrigation creek when all three of us heard an extremely loud growl and howl come from the building to our right. 
It didn't sound like a dog or have that wild crazy cry of a coyote. It sounded to all three of us exactly like the howling of a wolf. We looked at each other and split running for the house. We were the only ones home. We locked the doors, pulled down the shades and huddled in the living room trying to figure out what we had heard. All three of us were experienced campers and we had heard all sorts of animals on these trips, and many of the camping trips had been the three of us together. This sounded weird, sort of extremely loud but yet muffled like listening to a kid's talking into the old string and confones. Tape recorders were cassette or reel-to-reel -reel at that time. There was no way someone was hiding in that building playing a tape recorder. There was no electricity to those buildings. They were boarded up and padlocked. There were no loose boards or holes something like a big dog or even a cat could get in there. You would have needed to have an amplifier or speaker cranked up to get that sort of volume. My mom found us sitting in the front room in the dark and we were really hesitant to tell her what we had heard for obvious reasons. She sort of blew it off. We never did find out anything on it. The adults that we asked about it said it was our imagination. To this day, the three of us still talk about that incident. The second incident happened in 1977. I was in college then and now living in a massive apartment complex in the southwest part of Provo. My mom and I had gone to bed around 9. We were both awakened at 1am to growling, whining, and that same loud, freaking howling right outside the sliding glass door in my bedroom. We could hear something large out there. It let out this blood-curdling howl almost exactly like what my friends and I had heard a few years earlier. My mom wanted to look out the window. I had two small adult dogs at the time and they had dove under the bed, silent, and wouldn't come out for hours. I told her don't look out the window. I didn't want to see this thing, but more to the point, I didn't want it to see us. We could hear it whining and growling running off through the parking lot, eventually fading away. We didn't sleep that night. The next morning I knocked on our neighbor's door and asked if they had heard a dog howling in our adjoining backyard. He said no. He'd slept peacefully. It was hard for me to believe he hadn't heard it because it had been so loud and weird. I told my mom what he had told me and she couldn't believe anyone could have slept through that. We stayed up the next night and waited. We couldn't sleep. I had since tacked down my drapes so whatever it was couldn't peek in. So we drank coffee in the front room in the dark and watched the clock. Right at 1am it started again. Again the dogs froze and suddenly darted noiselessly under the table and shook. This time the whining of whatever it was almost sounded like a baby crying. There was growling and then it began to howl and midway through the howl it stopped suddenly, like something had startled it. We heard a rustle and loud thumping running. Again we heard the weird baby cry and whine fade off through the grass going west. We never heard it again after that. I guess I am basically posting this experience to see if anyone has any more information as to what it was or has experienced that themselves in the Provo area. It definitely left an impression on us three high school friends that we're still trying to puzzle out even now in our mid-60s. Thank you for your thoughtfulness in reading my experience. I remember the cold winter night of January 4, 1996, like it was yesterday. I was out in the Malala River area with my friend Mark, investigating reports of strange noises and sightings. We had heard rumors of Bigfoot activity in the area and we were eager to see if there was any truth to them. As we made our way through the woods, we heard a strange whistling sound. At first, we thought it was just the wind, but then we heard it again. This time it was louder, and it sounded like it was coming from just a few feet away. We froze in fear, not knowing what to expect. Suddenly, we heard two loud yahoos coming from the same direction as the whistling. It was so close that we could feel the ground vibrating beneath our feet. We knew that this wasn't something natural, and we were petrified. Mark and I looked at each other in disbelief, wondering what kind of creature could make such a sound. We knew we had to investigate further, but we also knew that we couldn't do it alone. We made a plan to come back with a team of investigators, including two members who had night vision glasses. 
We wanted to see if we could catch a glimpse of whatever it was that had made those terrifying sounds. The weekend of January 27th and 28th finally arrived, and we set out into the woods once again. This time, we were better prepared, and we had the support of our team behind us. As we walked through the woods, we kept our eyes peeled for any signs of movement. We had set up cameras and recording equipment, hoping to capture some evidence of what we were dealing with. Suddenly, we heard the whistling sound again, followed by the same loud yahoos from before. This time, it was coming from just a few yards away. We turned on our night vision glasses, and what we saw made our blood run cold. Standing in front of us was a massive creature, standing over seven feet tall. Its fur was dark and shaggy, and its eyes glowed in the light of our cameras. It let out another loud yahoo before disappearing back into the woods. We were stunned, but also excited. We had finally found proof of Bigfoot in the Malala River area. Our investigation had been a success, and we knew that we had to share our findings with the world. From that night on, I was obsessed with the idea of finding more evidence of Bigfoot. I went on to become a well-known researcher in the field, and I dedicated my life to studying these elusive creatures. But no matter how many times I saw or heard evidence of Bigfoot, I would never forget that cold winter night in 1996 when I first heard its terrifying call. It was a chilly fall evening, and I was looking for some adventure with my group of friends. We had heard rumors about an old abandoned morgue or mental house that was located a few miles away from our town. We were curious, and decided to check it out. As we approached the building, I could feel my heart beating faster with anticipation. The place was creepy, and I couldn't help but feel like we were being watched. We cautiously made our way inside and began exploring the rooms, which were filled with old medical equipment and abandoned furniture. Suddenly, we heard a low growling sound coming from the other side of the building. It was like nothing we had ever heard before, and we immediately froze in fear. As the sound grew louder, we realized that it was not coming from any normal animal. It sounded almost like a mix between a dog and a human. Before we could react, a massive creature appeared in front of us. It was a dogman, a terrifying creature with the body of a large wolf and the head of a human. We screamed and ran in all directions, trying to escape the creature's grasp. As my friends scattered, I found myself alone and desperate to find a way out. I quickly made my way towards the loading dock, hoping to escape through there. But the dogman was hot on my trail, and I could hear it getting closer and closer. I reached the loading dock, and quickly looked for a way out. My heart was pounding in my chest, and I could feel the creature's hot breath on the back of my neck. I spotted a ladder leading up to the roof, and quickly climbed up it. From the roof, I could see my friends running in all directions, trying to escape the creature's wrath. I knew I had to do something to distract it, so I began throwing anything I could find on the roof at the dogman. The creature was momentarily distracted, giving me enough time to make my escape. I ran as fast as I could, not daring to look back. I could hear the creature's footsteps behind me, but I refused to stop until I was far away from the morgue. Finally, after what seemed like hours, I reached the safety of my car and drove away as fast as possible. The experience had shaken me to the core, and I knew that I would never be the same again. The dogman had been real, and it had come dangerously close to killing me. I vowed never to go near that morgue again, and warned all my friends to stay away from that cursed place. I couldn't help but feel a sense of excitement as I read the report of Joe Robb and his wife's discovery near the Nehalem River. As a Bigfoot enthusiast, this was the kind of news I lived for. I immediately contacted Joe to see if I could join him on his next expedition, and to my delight, he agreed. We planned to meet up the following weekend and spend a few days in the area, hoping to catch a glimpse of these elusive creatures. I packed all of my equipment and supplies, including my trusty camera and binoculars, and made my way to the coast range. When I arrived, 
Joe greeted me warmly and introduced me to his wife. They showed me the tracks they had found, and I was amazed at the size and depth of them. We spent the first day exploring the area, taking note of any broken trees or dug up earth. It was clear that something big had been moving through the area, and we were determined to find out what it was. As the sun began to set, we set up camp near the river. We built a fire and cooked our dinner, all the while keeping an eye out for any signs of movement. We talked late into the night, sharing stories of our own encounters and speculating about what we might find in the coming days. The next morning, we woke early and set out on foot to follow the tracks. We trekked through the dense forest, taking care not to disturb the environment or the creatures we were hoping to find. We came across more tracks and broken trees, and I couldn't help. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. But feel a sense of awe at the power of these creatures. As the day wore on, we heard the unmistakable sound of footsteps nearby. We stopped in our tracks and listened intently. And that's when we saw it. A large, hairy creature stepped out from behind a tree and stared at us with a mixture of curiosity and suspicion. It was a Bigfoot, and it was unlike anything I had ever seen before. The creature was massive, easily standing over eight feet tall, with long, muscular arms and legs. Its hair was dark and matted, and it had a distinct, musky smell. We watched in awe as it moved through the forest, disappearing from sight just as quickly as it had appeared. Over the next few days, we continued to explore the area, catching glimpses of the creatures and gathering more evidence of their existence. We even managed to capture some footage on our cameras, although it was blurry and difficult to make out. As the expedition came to a close, I couldn't help but feel a sense of gratitude for the experience. I had always believed in Bigfoot, but now I had seen them with my own eyes. Joe and his wife had made an incredible discovery, and I felt honored to have been a part of it. I packed up my gear and said my goodbyes, already looking forward to my next encounter with these amazing creatures. It was October 2012, me and my grandfather were hunting for white-tailed deer on his property in a little ran downtown called Reedy, West Virginia. We were not having any luck at the first few spots so we moved to a different location down towards the bottom of his property. This place always gave me the creeps because everything down there seemed to be dead, the trees, grass, and there were basically never wildlife in this area. Well after us sitting there for about 30 to 40 minutes of not seeing anything we were about to move, that's when I seen it. There was this very odd-looking creature that kind of looked like a horse with a wolf face with this very rough and decay look to its fur and skin. It was just walking through the field we were watching over when it stepped right over the fence and keep in mind this fence was made to keep horses in so this thing was quite big at least bigger than anything that should have been in those woods. My grandfather is dead now so I am the last person to have physically seen this thing so if any of you have any idea what this could have been that would be very appreciated. So last night I was on my way to my boyfriend's house in the middle of nowhere. I have been living with him for a few months now and have never seen anything strange or out of the ordinary. As I was a few miles into his backcountry road, something that I can most relate to looking like a really tall skinny dog, was walking on the side of the road. I was going fast so I didn't get an amazing look at it but what I could see was a black face with two flesh-colored holes where the eyes were supposed to be and a flesh-colored hole where the mouth should have been. I don't know about you guys but when I almost hit an animal I'm like instantly stunned and feel bad and I swerve but it was like my body knew this thing was more normal. I didn't get that awe I almost hit an animal feeling but a feeling of what the F was that. 
My mouth involuntarily dropped open by the pure shock. I didn't see the body but only an outline of the face shape and also two black hind legs that were very lanky. Has anybody else seen something like this? When I was younger, we had this family friend named Joe. We called him Debbie Nick. He was awesome, like one of those uncles who would spoil the shit out of you. He became sick one day, and passed away when I was at school. I was in maybe grade 5 or 6 so I didn't really know what was going on at the time. He was a diabetic, like my dad, but Joe's was worse. One of the last times I seen him was at my parents' place. I just got home from school. He was pale and seemed drowsy. Silent. My dad told me he was sick and that he had something for me. It was a $5 bill. Before I got home and started to become aware of Joe's condition, my dad told me that he was seeing people that weren't there. Like people that have already passed away, loved ones, just standing around in the living room. Present. His condition grew dire. He couldn't leave his house or even get up to leave his bed, but his wife, Naomi was taking good care of him. She had told us a story about a few nights before his death. They had a horrifying experience. She gets ready for bed and falls asleep next to her husband. She eventually wakes up to someone screaming her name. The bed is empty. Naomi realizes that the screaming is coming from the front door, and it's Joe's voice. He is shouting the words, Naomi get the F out here and see this. She jumps out of the bed as fast as she could and she races towards the front door. As she's halfway, she can hear a glass smash, followed by these loud heavy footsteps stomping off and down the front steps. She approaches the door and Joe is shaking, with this shocked expression, pointing off into the darkness. Naomi sees this shadowy figure bolting, fast, into the field not too far from their house. She was chilled to the bone but was able to bring her husband back inside. It was peculiar, Joe was incapable of leaving his own bed. But was able to somehow, in the middle of the night, make it to the front porch with a glass of water for fresh air where he was met by whatever that thing was. He never told anyone what he had seen. The scary thing is, he passed away while standing in the same exact spot. I am a 41-year-old woman. But I remember vividly when I was four, my little brother and I shared a room with twin beds. I recall it well. His bed sheets were Star Wars, while mine were rainbow bright. Just setting the stage a little. Our beds were parallel to each other facing a long and tall closet that was somewhat shallow. The door to the bedroom was to the left of the closet. I was lying in bed playing with my strawberry shortcake doll when I heard the muffled whimper of my three-year-old brother on his bed to my right. Me, being the protective mother hen that I was, without looking over to him, asked him what was wrong? He answered me with a soft sob. I remember putting down my doll and starting to walk over to him. As I was closing the gap between us, about halfway there, he points towards the closet. He hid his face and started to sob hysterically. I remember stopping and following his tiny pointing finger with my eyes. What I saw still gives me the chills to this day. In our closet was what I can only describe as an extremely tall void of darkness in the shape of a man. He was well over six feet tall and seemed to be wearing a trench coat of some kind that went past its knees. It had what looked like an old times western had that was small but rounded. Mind you there were no details, only the outline. But his face. Where the eyes and mouth would be there were swirling colors of. Well like energy or heat waves or something. I honestly don't know how else to describe it. His mouth or the colorful energy swirls where the mouth would be was open wide as if he were screaming at us at the top of his lungs yet we heard no sound. Now thinking back, we had a shelf in the top of that closet but he was standing through it. There was no possible other way. But this was not the scary one. On the floor next to this being's right knee, crouched down was another. Creature. When I saw this creature I released everything that was in my bladder. I just peed all over myself. 
I was terrified to the point of paralysis yet I was standing. Stuck frozen in terror, wet from urine, in the middle of our bedroom. It looked like it was about to take off in a race. It was on all fours and looked like it was about to start running straight at me. It too, was in the shape of a man, yet smaller and more animalistic. It was as if the taller man was holding it back. Like he was walking a dog almost. My mother and father must have heard my brother's screams. I couldn't make a sound at that time, I remember them picking one of us up each to soothe our cries. You better believe once I could, my lungs let loose of the most horrific and blood-curdling scream. By that time I was in full panic mode and unable to describe what we had witnessed. My father was holding me. I can still remember the smell of his cold leather jacket. It was the early 80s and he was a biker, his back was facing the closet. I thought he was there to save me but when I looked up over his shoulder I could still see the tall man with the colorful eyes a screaming mouth. I tried to show them. We tried to show them. But neither of our parents could see them. My dad slept in the room with us that night because we refused to sleep without him. A couple years later and a whole other state away, that same man minus the colorful eyes and mouth terrorized me for a good couple of years. This time he was made of total darkness. He was always there it seemed, standing in the corner of my room watching me in bed or gliding down the hallway past my door turning its head to look at me as it passed, peeking around my doorway but as if it was laying on the ceiling. Its head and hat poking around the top left hand side of the door before slowly sliding back. I was honestly traumatized to tell you the truth. I would have terrifying nightmares that I truly 100% believe this being caused. Night terrors is more like it. For example one of those night terrors was of him or it sticking a meat hook through my sister and hanging her on our bathroom door. I also dreamed of these little hooded beings coming out of a hole under a giant live oak in our backyard and catching cats to eat them. My childhood was terrifying to say the least. Disclaimer. I was never allowed to watch anything but cartoons and things like Fraggle Rock. So I was not influenced in any way that I can recall. No one believed me but my brother. I know this seems weird and random but I named the man Cottonhead. I'm not sure why. But every night I would cry and beg my dad not to put me to bed because Cottonhead would come. And every night he would tell me it's just a dream. I was intrigued when my buddies proposed the idea of spending part of our leave in a remote part of New England, exploring an alleged facility that did not exist on record. The story we had heard was that this place housed an individual with some kind of special intuition that was invaluable to the military and intelligence. The whole place was shrouded in secrecy, with only a small team of guards and caretakers for the lone occupant. We decided to dress up as hunters and pretend to be pursuing some game in the area, just in case we got apprehended by the facility. We had already shot some game the day before in an away part of these woods to make our story more convincing. As the sun started to set, we carefully crept through the woods, using binoculars to scout the area ahead. We caught a glimpse of a man outside, pacing around in an enclosed area. He came in and out of view four to five times as the security fence blocked the rest of our view. The person who told us about the facility had warned us that the occupant was unstable and would often start screaming and yelling, requiring restraint. We were nervous but curious about what we might find inside. As we got closer to the facility, we could hear strange noises and see flickers of light coming from within. Our hearts were pounding as we approached the entrance, but we were determined to see what was inside. We cautiously made our way through the facility, avoiding guards and security cameras as best we could. We soon found ourselves in a room where the individual was being kept. He looked thin and frail, and there was something strange about his eyes. Suddenly, the man started to scream and thrash around, breaking free from his restraints. The guards rushed in to subdue him, but he was stronger than we expected. We knew we had to leave before we were caught. We quickly made our way back through the facility, dodging guards and security cameras as best we could. As we emerged from the woods, 
we realized that we had been in there for much longer than we had intended. We had to hurry to make it back to base before our leave was over. Despite the danger and uncertainty we faced, we felt like we had accomplished something by exploring the hidden facility. We had uncovered a secret that few others knew about, and we felt like we had made a real difference in our mission. Looking back on that experience, I realized that we had been lucky to make it out of there unscathed. It was a lesson that we would carry with us for the rest of our military careers. I used to live in an area that was surrounded by woods and wildlife, with only a handful of people and domestic animals around. It was a beautiful and peaceful place to live, but that year was particularly rough for me. My father had passed away, and I was still trying to come to terms with his loss. But then something strange started happening in my house. People who had never lived there before were dying, and I was having strange dreams with my family. I didn't know what to make of it, but I tried to ignore it and carry on with my life. One day, I was contacted by a spiritual page who recommended that I talk to my landlord's brother, who apparently didn't want to scare me and was just saying hello. I thought it was weird, but I decided to go along with it and say hi back. That night, things got even stranger. I heard my name being yelled in the house, and the phone rang once at 1.30 in the morning. I was terrified, and strange noises outside followed. I was paralyzed with fear, lying in bed and trying to ignore everything that was happening around me. The noises continued for weeks, and I realized that if I wanted to deal with this haunted stuff, I needed to be within walking distance of not haunted or blessed places, like my neighbors or churches. I was no stranger to spirits, but this was the first time I had ever been so scared. I decided to move to a different area, one that was less isolated and had more people around. It was hard to leave that beautiful place, but I knew I had to do it for my own sanity. I never did find out what was causing all of those strange things to happen, but I was just glad to be away from it all. I never thought that walking home from my friend's place would turn out to be a nightmare that I would never forget. It was around 11 PM, and the city lights were far away, and the only source of light was the dim moonlight. As I walked down the deserted street, I heard some faint footsteps behind me. At first, I didn't pay much attention, thinking it was just someone else walking home like me. But then, the footsteps grew louder and closer, and I started to feel uneasy. I started walking faster, hoping to put some distance between me and whoever was following me. However, as I picked up my pace, I heard him walking faster too. My heart started racing, and I began to panic. I didn't know what to do and kept looking over my shoulder to see who it was. But I couldn't see anyone. The road ahead seemed endless, and I didn't want to turn back and confront the stranger. So, I kept walking, hoping that I would reach the city soon. But the footsteps persisted, and I knew that I wasn't alone anymore. The stranger started speaking in a low voice, but I could still hear what he was saying. He kept repeating phrases like come here and join us, which made me shiver. I knew that something wasn't right, and I had to do something to get away from him. My heart was pounding in my chest as I picked up my pace, hoping to lose him. But every time I did, he would catch up with me. I started to feel trapped and scared, with the thought of what could happen to me. It felt like an eternity, and it was just me, him, and the wind. Finally, after what felt like hours, I saw the city lights in the distance. I knew I had to make a run for it, so I sprinted towards the lights, hoping to get away from the stranger. As I ran, I could hear his footsteps getting farther and farther away. I finally made it to the city, and I breathed a sigh of relief. I was safe now. But as I lay in bed that night, I remembered something that made me shudder. The stranger had something in his hand, and it looked like a knife. I didn't want to imagine what could have happened if he had caught up with me. From that day on, I made sure to avoid walking alone at night and always stayed in well-lit areas. The memory of that night will always stay with me, and I hope that I never have to experience something like that again.
While I live in southern Canada and farm country, I do believe in the paranormal within reason. Example if it can be something logical I believe that first. I just cannot for the life of me explain how I have this memory of this forest from when I'm a kid. I was paying in the woods with my brother, hide and seek for anyone wondering. And I was the one hiding. I remember running as far as I could through the very familiar woods. And it's as if I crossed into another dimension. I ran across an invisible line into a place I'd never seen before. All the regular forest sounds that you would normally not notice were gone. This was scary for me the trees seemed so much bigger so I ran back the way I came all the way till I found my brother again. He found me right away and I calmed down. I told him about a part of the woods I'd never seen before so he tries to find it but never could. If you're looking for scariest non-paranormal it's a story of my aunt's where the biggest coy wolf she had ever seen stares down her dogs in their fenced-in yard. Later a trapper captured him and sent him to a dog-running place, where they train hunting dogs to chase, don't worry none of the wild animals are hurt there, and after they let it loose instead of running it tried to walk up to them aggressively. They got back in the truck and left. Apparently as soon as the training guy brought out the dogs, this great big male instead of running sprinted straight at the dogs and killed one and seriously injured another before the guys who already had their guns up were able to put it down. We are very sure that this big male coy wolf would have hunted my aunt and her dogs if she took them for a walk. I never thought I'd see a cougar in my area. I mean, according to official reports, there aren't any cougars around here. But there it was, crouched by the side of the road, its eyes fixed on something in the field. I slowed down my car and pulled over to the side of the road, making sure to keep a safe distance from the large cat. It was a beautiful animal, with sleek fur and piercing eyes. I watched in awe as it stalked its prey, completely unaware of my presence. I couldn't believe my luck. I had always been fascinated by big cats, especially cougars. But I never thought I'd get to see one up close like this. I grabbed my phone and started taking pictures, hoping to capture this incredible moment. As I watched the cougar, I couldn't help but wonder why the officials denied their existence in the area. I had heard rumors of sightings before, but they were always dismissed as hoaxes or misidentifications. But here was proof, right in front of me. I sat there for what felt like hours, watching the cougar in awe. It was truly an unforgettable experience. Eventually, the cougar finished stalking its prey and disappeared into the woods. I sat there for a moment longer, still in shock at what I had just witnessed. As I drove home, I couldn't stop thinking about the cougar. I knew that officially, there were no cougars in the area. But I had seen one with my own eyes. I couldn't help but wonder what other secrets the wilderness held, waiting to be discovered by those brave enough to venture out into the unknown. I remember that night vividly, even though I was asleep in the back seat of the car. My parents had woken me up in the middle of the night, telling me that we were going to drive out to a nearby field to look at the stars. I had protested at first, wanting to stay in bed and sleep, but my parents had insisted, saying that it was a rare opportunity to see the night sky in all its glory. We drove out to the field, and my parents set up some chairs and a blanket while I dozed off in the car. I remember waking up briefly and seeing the vast expanse of the sky above me, filled with more stars than I had ever seen before. I was mesmerized for a few seconds, but quickly fell back asleep, feeling safe and secure in the warmth of the car. It wasn't until the next morning that my parents told me what had happened while I was sleeping. They said that while they were gazing up at the sky, they saw something strange. At first, they thought it was a shooting star, but as it got closer, they realized that it was something else entirely. They described it as a bright, glowing object that hovered silently in the sky for a few seconds, then suddenly shot away at incredible speed. They were both stunned and a little frightened by what they had seen, but they didn't want to wake me up and scare me too. But that wasn't the end of the strange occurrences that night. 
As they were getting ready to leave the field and head back to the house, the car lights suddenly turned on and the doors unlocked themselves. My parents were taken aback by this, and hesitated for a few moments before coming over to check on me. To their relief, I was still sound asleep in the back seat, completely unaware of the strange events that had unfolded around me. My parents quickly got into the car and drove back to the house, where they spent the rest of the night discussing what they had seen. It wasn't until years later that I realized just how strange and inexplicable that night had been. Even now, I can't explain what my parents saw or why the car acted so strangely. But I do know one thing for sure, that night, something mysterious and otherworldly happened, and it left a lasting impression on all of us who were there to witness it. I grew up in Northern Ontario and there's a story I remember when me and my cousin were out one night on our grandparents' tobacco farm. He was practicing driving as he had just turned 16 in his parents' pickup truck. Anyways we were on a dirt road near the woods it was very bumpy. I was looking out the passenger when when I felt him slam on the brakes. That's when I saw it. It looked like a deer but was a bit larger and so skinny that you could see its ribs. It was all white and you could see through the high beams that its eyes were a glaring red, like when you take a photo of someone with flash. It stood there and just stared at the truck. My cousin tried honking his horn but it didn't move it just kept staring at us. Eventually he tried to reverse out of the steep dirt path without making us fall into the gully. I looked through the rear view mirror as we drove away and it still had its eyes locked on the truck. As we got further away and up that damn hill I heard a shriek like I've never heard before. I'm not saying it came from the deer but it was something I can't even explain. Almost like a bull if that makes any sense. Needless to say we got the hell out of there and my cousin almost wrecked his tailgate hitting a pothole in the path. I don't know what it was. I would say an albino deer because it had antlers but it was just so creepy looking. Like an albino deer with glaring red eyes, looked like it hadn't eaten in weeks and had an almost mangy posture and face. Not really scary but creepy to me. I still remember that day vividly, even though it's been years since then. That blue bird has been etched into my memory, and I can still see it clearly in my mind's eye. The four of us stood there in the summer sun, staring up at the sky and wondering what kind of bird it could be. We tried to describe it to our parents, but they didn't seem to believe us. They said it was probably just a blue jay or some other kind of bird we weren't familiar with. But we knew better. This was no ordinary bird. Over the next few days, we kept an eye out for the blue bird, but we never saw it again. We even went to our neighbor's house to ask them if they had seen it, but they hadn't. It was like the bird had never existed in the first place. But I knew what I had seen. I could still picture it in my mind, with its iridescent blue and green feathers and its long, majestic tail feather. It was unlike anything I had ever seen before or since. As the years went by, I started to wonder if I had imagined the whole thing. Maybe it was just a figment of my childhood imagination. But then I remembered that my brothers and the neighbor's son had seen it too. We couldn't all have imagined the same thing. I've since moved away from that small town in Louisiana, but I still think about that blue bird from time to time. I've searched online for any information about it, but I've never found anything that matches the description of what I saw. Sometimes I wonder if the blue bird was a sign of something, a symbol of something I was meant to see or understand. But maybe it was just a rare and beautiful creature that happened to fly over my house one summer day. Either way, it's a memory that I'll always carry with me. Not 100% on the story and running off of very little information but here it goes. Friend has been seeing slash hearing things lately. She lives in an older apartment building and the other day she thought her dog was sitting in the kennel. Her dog then walked up beside her in the kitchen so she quickly glanced over and saw a small humanoid black creature crouching in her dog's cage. Best way to describe it without showing it is sitting as a bullfrog would. 
Leading up to this she has been seeing things out of her peripherals. Small black figures moving away from her field of vision. This happened quite a few times. The other day she had a seizure in the middle of a store. Ever since then the sightings have gotten worse. She was at work the other day and caught a glimpse the same creature crouching outside her building. She looked away to set something down and turned back to get a better look. When she saw it again it was standing there looking at her. She said it was approximately 5 to 6 feet tall standing. Leaving work she felt like she was being followed, she looked behind her and saw this creature again and it was following her. A police officer patrols the parking lot and asked if she was okay because he saw how visibly shaken she was. He never saw anyone following her. A few days later she went to use a shower. As she was getting out someone knocked on the door. She does have a roommate but her roommate knew she was using the shower for a moment. As she approached the door the wrap sped up until she grabbed the handle to open it and it stopped. She confronted her roommate and she acted like she had no idea what happened. That is the gist of what has been going on. She has had a few other things happen such as LED string lights ripped down and slung across the opposite side of the room or her Virgin Mary necklace ripped off while sleeping, broken by the chain knot clasps, and laid out on the bed. It was laid out in a way that looked intentional. Any idea what this could be? Looked at several things but nothing seems to fit the bill exactly. She said it was the same creature every time. She said she couldn't make out too many details about its physical characteristics but she did say it was black, about human height, humanoid, when it crouched it resembled a human crouching but when it was standing she had a hard time making out its arms and legs. Any help is appreciated. Fought your information she has seen a doctor in regards to the seizure. Trying to rule out any kind of mental disorder slash disease but would like to see if anything jumps out to y'all. Only about a month after moving into my aunt's house in a tiny woods town, I was startled very badly by an explosion, seemingly right outside my window. It was so damn loud. Maybe the loudest thing I've ever heard. I looked outside and nothing. I kept waiting to see a fireball because my young brain legitimately thought a large bomb had gone off. Nobody else heard anything. Then there was the light. I would often find myself looking out over the forest behind the house, because I thought a certain star was moving. Well one night, I'm watching it and it absolutely was moving. Maybe about 2 to 3 miles out, over pure forest. Nobody living out there. It was moving all over the place. Then it started coming towards me. Over the course of like 15 minutes and slowly made its way towards the house. Must have only been going 5 to 6 miles per hour and a couple hundred feet up. This little orange light ended up passing directly over the house without a sound. The light never once flickered or made any indication that it wasn't a solid artificial light. But just passed over the house completely silently and kept going to the woods on the other side. My only theory would be a Chinese lantern but its movement seemed so deliberate. 